Previously on The Waffling Tailors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I made the Calm first down, page. Joe. Not for the right reason. Shut up, it's going on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Posting them to her mum. I was fired. I'm in the newspaper. That should be a whole... Like, that could be like a little mini film, like a, a half an hour film of her just scavenging and building the ramp. And it just fin- the film finishes as she smashes through the window. <laughs> That's it. Done. News, news flash: Jill Valentine hates people with slight colds. Don't go anywhere near her. That's why she was fired. <laughs> she will shoot you in the face. <laughs> Good guy Carlos, putting everyone's life in danger just so that he can have his Mission Impossible moment off of the side of a chopper. I, I wanted the harness to wind him, so when he unclipped, he was like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm here to help." <laughs> has nothing to do with zombies literally just a, a crazed a crazed paper boy randomly taking unsolicited violence <laughs> on the streets of Racking City well it doesn't happen like t- at least twice that somebody kicks a, a zombie and it just dies it's like but that's not how it works in this works. universe like, it's a new set of logic I'm sticking to <laughs> Alice dealing with the liquors is so far over the top it's practically in lower orbit <laughs> mm. So they so they make it out of the uh, out of the graveyard and they go on with their adventure, and we get this this mm-hmm. bit where, um, uh, you know, where Nemesis is walking. We skip over a little bit there, just to, that's the part where they go to the uh, the hospital to get the 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 equipment. But they think that a, a chopper is going to land and take them out, but it just drops the equipment for Nemesis. And we get this this scene where Nemesis is walking up to this building where LJ has just ran in, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I, I'm a human. Don't don't shoot me. And then they they go to give him a gun. He goes, please. And he holds up Steve Burnside's guns from um, Code Veronica. <laughs> you know, everyone likes and, Steve Burnside, yeah. right? The Lugas, absolutely right. Um, but then <laughs> then it cuts to like Nemesis or Vision, and and I'm like, so Nemesis is Terminator now because he's being controlled. <laughs> and it's like there are 15 Stars members or whatever, and he destroys the Stars members for no real reason. I mean, they kind of say, hey, take out the stars members. But like I've written down here, in this universe, the stars never went to the mansion. So they don't know about Umbrella and how involved they are. So why does Nemesis need to kill them? Oh, he's not. But he is, but he's not. You know, he's the guy from the first movie. What is going on? Mm. <laughs> but did they, did they not go? Because the first film was different enough from Resident Evil 1, that Resident Evil 1 technically still could have happened in this universe, I guess. That's what I've thought, because Jill must have done something. She knows something, and obviously she kind of... The stars... I think they make reference at some points between her and the stars guys about stuff that's happened previously. Like, really, like, they don't go, well, we went to that mansion, didn't we? And we shot all those zombies and stuff. But they kind of... They allude to the fact that the something had happened before we've seen them in this film. Um so I just like to think that yeah, there was that, that that happened, and for some reason they had both a facility underground in the hive, and they also had this mansion going on for some weird reason in the mountains. Um, but yeah, now I guess that's probably 
That's uh, now for the people listening. They're not going to see this, but you two are. I'm shaking my fist in the air, right? All I'm going to say is, what have I told you about logic in this film? (laughs) You both told me at the beginning, don't use logic, and now you're using logic. Shake's fist. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to connect things with logic. Yeah, it's it's not it's nonsense. (laughs) But 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 the nemesis bit. The only thing I've got to say about that is. Okay, so you're in the, the middle of a city. The 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 Mister Mister Switzerland, Captain Switzerland, Captain right? Switzerland, yeah. Captain Switzerland has made no qualms about he will shoot whoever, whatever, and do whatever he likes. Why save Elgin? Mm-hmm. He could have just gone. He probably would have saved about three hundred less so, more bullets by just mowing them from left to right. I think that's to point out that um, Nemesis is under their direct control. Because he's, you know, they issue the command of take out the stars members, and then he points the gun at uh, it, basically the Terminator bit, right? Points the gun at LJ. LJ holds up his guns, says respect, drops his guns, and it literally says no threat. And then he turns around and moves, turns around and moves on and says stars as he wanders off. Because that's his current mission: mm-hmm. is take out the stars members, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He has a different mission overall, though. Which I, I will say point. there's only one point in this film that when you see Nemesis, I thought, finally, they got it right. They changed it later on because reasons. But when you first see Nemesis, when he's walking up to where the, the stars are, mm-hmm. when he yells stars, they finally got it right. He's got a deep voice. Mm-hmm. In any any game to have any Resident Evil game that has Nemesis or any sort of version of Nemesis afterwards, he's always got either a metallic voice or a high-pitched voice, which is really weird. But it should be that low guttural stars. But later on in the movie, the take his voice up a few octaves, which is odd. Mm. Maybe a stray bullet struck his larynx. And see previous statement. Remember what I said about logic. <laughs> All right, we just go with the flow. Right on top of the fact that when when you see Nemesis, right when you see the crew after going through the graveyard, they're walking along a bridge. Right, and then Alice just suddenly senses it because magic, right? Mm-hmm. And Nemesis shows mm-hmm. up. You know he's there because what's his face? Because I can't remember his name. Oh, I can hey. remember his name, but I'm not going to refer to him because what's the point? He starts walking across. Nemesis guns him down. Jill stands there defiant, starts shooting. Alice just stands stock still. No bullets go near her, obviously because magic, right? And then she tells him to run. She dives off the bridge because reasons. And lands it's the superhero a bit. And then they say, Project Nemesis has finally begun. Get all data streams going. First of all, Wi-Fi wasn't that strong in the year 2000, right? <laughs> or whenever it was. So Wi-Fi is not going to be that strong. And Alice is part of Project Nemesis? I thought Nemesis was the big guy. Because she's Project Alice, yeah. right? But that's what they... But from what I gathered, I mean, I feel like we're jumping ahead a bit. And I think... So, yeah, it basically... And the, the, if you played the Resident Evil 3 remake as well, the, that kind of ties in, that's part of the story, but it's basically that they're pitting Nemesis against Alice to get data, by the sounds of it, on Alice and what she's capable of. And Nemesis is basically her nemesis and therefore her biggest threat, um, which is not what was... Obviously, that's not what happened in the original Resident Evil 3 because it was just to take out the stars members. Um But then in the new Resident Evil 3, they kind of almost use that 
because there's that whole I don't know if how much of you this of you've played and I don't know if I'm spoiling things now but there's a whole storyline about that's very similar to that which I don't recall from the original Resident Evil 3. So I'll I'll stick in a spoiler one and don't worry about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's at that point we find out that Alice must be part deer because of her jumping capabilities. Yeah. Oh no! I I think that she is at this point a legit superhero. She's the Deus Ex Machina. But I think you know uh, we had a bit of a break earlier on, and I was saying to Andrew that I can understand why they gave her these superpowers mm-hmm. for this fight. Firstly, it's you know a hundred hundred and something pound woman versus, and I I don't want to stress the woman part, just a hundred and something pounds of person versus this big robot, partly robotic uh, or maybe not super hyper killing machine that's maybe six feet tall and four feet wide full of muscle. Totally get why they had to do that. And then the whole she's now trapped behind a fence and has to jump over a six foot tall fence but she can't grab it because it's kind of um, spiky and stuff at the top. So let's just have a superhero jump over it because it kind of makes sense. Because the writers have written themselves into that corner and they have to sort of get them, get away, mm-hmm. get out of it. I, I just want to mention something really quick. The, the part where she's flying towards Nemesis and then r- jumps up onto the, 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 the wooden crates and then dives at him when she whacks him, to, um, when he whacks her to one side. I saw a behind the scenes thing and she actually did that dive herself. Not the being hit and thrown into the thing. And the first time she did it, her foot slipped because it wasn't a wooden crate. It was an old washing machine. Her foot slipped and she went flying forward and landed really hard on her shoulder to a point where it set the, the, they were, they were happy that they had the, um, like the, the, the mesh on because she had this massive red mark on her shoulder for the rest of the filming where she landed. Ouch. I think it was something like that, but you just see it. She's got the wire thing on, you know, ready and go. She runs up goes to dive a foot slips and she just goes mm. like face planting into the floor is what it looks yeah. like i always remember that because i watched the special features and i went oh <laughs> oh yeah oh not good i think one thing you, yeah. one thing you can say you know any any criticisms you could level at the character of alice or anything like that one thing you can say is that uh Miljovovich did an absolutely brilliant job uh, as as like an action movie star i mean she's she gets hired to do it all the time now that's her thing but yeah she she did su- super well in that the fact that she did like like you said she did a lot of a lot of the stunts herself and stuff like that she's uh, she was obviously uh, very into the whole thing which is pretty cool she's a resident evil fan as well i think which does make it very um weird that she decided to that this was okay to do um because <laughs> it's nothing like resident evil but well well, from Resident Evil 3 onwards, with her being a Resident Evil fan, she should be ashamed of herself. <laughs> uh, being in those movies. <laughs> Resident Evil with magic, because wizards and shit. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing missing from Resident Evil, let's face it. I don't know if it was before or after this, but there was a part where, I think it was before the scene Nemesis, because they split up, didn't they? Where they're, they're talking about, they're in a bus somewhere, a random bus, and they're talking about the cover story and what's going to happen. This was... Let me get this right. No, there was a phone call after the graveyard scene, but before you see Nemesis. Mm. Now, when it's explained in the phone call, because it was like, ring, ring, ignore it, ring, ring, ignore it, and she picks it up and she goes, who is this? I really, just in my mind, because my kind of sense of humour was, who is this? And then suddenly, what are you wearing? Ah! Put the phone down, <laughs> run. <laughs> see, that was way too creepy. I was thinking more like, um, you know, in Scream, where they answer the phone and it's like, the yeah, what's your house favourite scary movie? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. That would have been... <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite Resident Evil, Evil game 
<laughs> the one I'm in. You're not in any of them. <laughs> Put it down. Can you imagine <laughs> if they'd made a game well, of the Resident Evil films with Alice in and stuff? Oh my goodness. That'd have been. That would be I mean, on it, par it, with it, like Street Fighter the movie, the game, the movie, the game, the movie. It, it would just push X not to die and she'd just do all sorts of stunts and you just push the same yeah. button. <laughs> push to jump. <laughs> it'd be magic. Yeah. Yeah, that, how, how is she going to win? Just plot and magic. Just push the same button and she'll do some sort of thing. But there was, there was, there was a part where they're in the, the bus after she gets told from Ashford that they've got to go save a daughter and he's, he's recruiting different people. And um, it says, um, you know, they're going to send a nuclear bomb and the city's going to be completely sanitised. And, and then the reporter goes, what does that mean? And all I put here was, they ain't going to drop 900 tonnes of alcohol in the city, you moron. They're going to blow it up. They're just going to get a big squeegee mop and just wipe it down. Well, we've I mean, got seven people with this massive mop. You know, She's a reporter, right? She wants to get the exact details, so I can kind of understand. Yeah. But. I don't then understand why Jill knows a lot about nuclear weapons all of a sudden. So it's not that she, she knows about it, but she alludes to the fact that she knows a lot about nuclear weapons because she goes, what yield? <laughs> it's like, who would ask that question? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what? you'd go like, oh, how big is it? Like, not what yield? So she obviously knows something about mm-hmm. nuclear weapons and it just is like, oh, okay, they're trying to make them, again, it's the whole badass thing. They're trying to make her seem, because at one point, like, she, she light up a cigarette and something, she's like smoking like a proper old, old school, um, you know, guy from a like black and white movie who's like really like grim a, f- a film noir yeah. person so she's like yeah just this is my gruff <laughs> scene <laughs> Sm- smooth jazz plays in the background and there's like a an over voice while she's there with a cigarette i realized he said nuclear weapon but i didn't realize what yield <laughs> and when i asked i thought <laughs> with some like smooth jazz play in the background or something <laughs> yeah oh dear but, oh, my word. All I've got to say about the Nemesis program is, obviously, it was version 1, because it said quite clearly in the bottom left. Whoever creates the update for it should really work on the motion detection and firing aiming thing, because it's crap. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit a bullet with the side of a barn, good Nemesis. I understand it's massive, but yeah, still, but you'd expect it to be able to hit something. It's got like 6,000 bullets. It doesn't matter if one or two don't hit. I know, but you want to hit one person, not, you, you right. hit one person, not level 16 <laughs> buildings. Well, so so after this, we find out that both um, our band of heroes and Carlos and his friends are going into the school to find Angela. I've got one thing before you mention that. Oh, okay. Right in in the in the games, and if you've read some of the novels, it is alluded to that Jill's got a little bit of a criminal background. Mm-hmm. So she can pick locks, hence why she's the master of unlocking. So what I want to know is when she's in the car, and she's trying to get the car going, and the reporter just shows up, risking getting shot before she has to gun down her, her partner who's turned by now, right? Mm. She's trying to get the car going. All I've put is she should just have she should have just lock picked the car or it would have worked. <laughs> it would have been quicker as well. I don't think that's how it with works. Cars. No. Well, it doesn't matter. No, you can just lock pick it, work to your strength. Well, I mean, it could work in this universe, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, logic. Who needs it? Like just a, like a house key. It has a it has like a house key for the ignition, so she's able to just kind of like yeah, I'll just pick that. It's fine. Click yeah. right, we're off. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so they they end up at the school, which is Raccoon City Junior High uh, School. And... Ominous dog shot is ominous. <laughs> oh oh don't. Yeah, don't don't worry about missing the fact that there will be yep. dogs soon, because it's like it slowly pans around and you can see the holes in the cages. Then it comes back around to them, and then it goes back around. And it says Raccoon City Police Department K9 Unit, and it holds for a good four seconds, 
and then comes back to them and then comes mm-hmm. back again. And it's like, oh, I, I think I know what's going to mm-hmm. happen here. <laughs> now, I'll, but I'll I guess... tell you what I've put in my notes for the first part of this, right? I've put, Jill sounds like she's having way too much fun shooting mm-hmm. things. That ain't Jill at all. That isn't her, right? And why do they have to split up again? Her job is to protect and serve civilians, isn't it? Also, we should split up cliche. I should keep a number of yeah, these. Yeah, that's proper, proper cliche. I, at this point, she basically, they've made her into Lara Croft because Lara Croft does not care about who she who she shoots and neither does Jill. Um, no. But yeah, the, the splitting up thing was absolutely ridiculous. Like, oh, and, and, and like LJ even says to the reporter lady, I can't, I can't, oh, Terry, it's Terry, the reporter lady. Um, he's like, oh, I'll go with you. And then Jill made a point of going, no, you go in this floor and you go in this floor. And I just been like, no, make me like like why? Why would I? You're not coming with us, so why would you just wait for Jill to go and go? Oh, she's gone now. Let's just go upstairs together. It's fine. Which would have worked out much better yeah, for right. Terry um, if that had happened. Mm. But you know, well, this is it, right? So Terry finds uh, what she who she thinks is Angela, but turns out it's a zombified child. And then I think that's another cliche in horror movies and horror games. But then she gets swamped by the rest of the students, all of them, and she drops the, um, the, that was the best version of a zombie sound effect I'm ever going to do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She also, she drops the camera, which films her being eaten by all of the students. And then when Jill finds her later, Jill finds Angela eventually. It's in the same classroom. And Angela's just sort of sitting there. She's just like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was here a minute ago when they all attacked and don't, they're going to come and get you. I'm like, well, why didn't they attack mm. you? Why did you sit there and watch it happen? So, so I've, I've got a couple of things about this. So first of all, bloody small hand plinths and knocked over tables. I would just shut the door and keep on walking. Yep. First of all, right? And second of all, I will say this about it, right? I will say this about the film. This is a direct quote from my notes. Not many zombie films, to my knowledge, have shown in the, the event of an outbreak, everyone gets infected. Mm. That would include children. It's ballsy that this film shows yeah. this. And if I were a part of... Um, if, if I... Uh, but if I... Give me a second. I I find the part of where the reporter gets munched by kids just a little bit creepy and hard to sit through. Mm-hmm. Even if, even after all these years, it's just really. I mean, I I saw the behind the scenes thing and it shows you test footage of the kids, minimal makeup, obviously because there are limits, but minimal makeup, looking like their eyes droopy and walking towards the camera. I skipped it. I just couldn't do it yeah. because it's just somewhat freaky. Really freaky about that. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with it. There's only adults in the city and they get zombified. I'm not having zombie kids because it's just wrong. Although, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, that would happen. Well, yeah. What, what, and, and the thing is, Terry doesn't seem to think that's the case because she's in a school where kids were and she just assumes the first person that she comes across must be the person. And rather than kind of at the, from the other end of the room, go like shout to her, Hey, are you Angela? Like she just kind of very quietly tiptoes up to her and goes, oh, hi, Angela. Oh, you must be Angela. It's okay. We're here to save you and gets right up to her before like turns around and bites. It's like, no, no, I'd have stood back and say, please, can you turn around and then we'll get you out of here. I'm I'm a human. (laughs) But no, she just decides to creep up and get her face bin. So, yeah. Also, for a school biology lab, why is there so many snakes in jazz? I mean, why not? Why not? 
it, it's it's I, I'm assuming it's mostly about human biology and other bits. Most people have frogs, but they have like an abundance of snakes. Could it be a, a call yeah. back to the snake in Resident Evil One? I don't know. I'm just I'm just clutching at straws and trying to think of logic, but you know, there's no logic to be found. What have I told you about logic? Again, maybe <laughs> maybe it's just the creepy factor. Yeah. Just make it look creepy. Okay. Um, I do like that in the next scene when. Um, Jill is she's running with Angela through the the kitchen. The what I like to call this the Jurassic Park Velociraptor scene. Um, I, I don't like the the dodgy CGI that they've put onto the dogs because you can see yeah. it move, you know, on the dogs. Which is, uh, I mean, that's fair enough. It's difficult enough. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that they make Jill slightly, they don't make her infallible. You know, she does that cool trick again where she lights a cigarette by striking it with her thumb and throws it over her shoulder to try and set the uh, the the gas off, but it it disignites. Yeah. I don't know what the Goes correct out, word is. You know, it burns out, out before it hits. I like that because then that's like it's it's hey, this is Jill trying to be a badass and be really cool, but she's just just isn't able to make it. And then obviously Alice comes to the rescue with a fire blanket, throws yeah. the uh, the lighter in there, and wraps herself up. Boom. I'm pretty sure there must have been something in Miller's contract that she's like, nobody could be more badass than Alice. So they, they, it's like, the, you know, the reason the cigarette went out is because that would be really badass. And Alice has to have all the badass mm-hmm. things. But I mean, before that as well, just mm-hmm. to mention, uh, you had the scene with Nikolai, where they meet Nikolai in the dining room before they go into the kitchen. And um, they have like a nice touching moment between Nikolai and Jill. I have a bit of a jokey moment i can't remember what the wording was now but you know they were just talking about what was going on and he'd catch up to them he'd make sure everything was okay and then gets taken out and bitten and dies nikai is a a horrible person in the game like he has no redeeming Mm. quality whatsoever he's just a bad person and in this they kind of you saw him a little bit earlier on in the film and he was kind of like uh, you know so so and in this it's like they try and give him a a, a personality like they they go oh you know he 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 died but he was nice really and it's like no he wasn't he's nikolai he was not nice like he's a horrible horrible person nikolai's a dick yeah yeah Um, the character of Jill in this tries to implement a new version of Foo into self-defense and it fails miserably, which is chair Foo. Oh, <laughs> she, p- yeah. she picks up a chair, doesn't work. She should have used leg flu, le- leg Foo, right? She picks up a chair for a zombie that's in front of her, the Nikolai saves the day. Chair Foo, just no. She should have really known better. It, they must have covered it in basic training. Don't pick up a chair and guess the zombie, just kick them no, to I, death. Like I said, I think she was she was suspended on that day. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Also, pro tip, if you ever find yourself in a zombie apocalypse and the zombie dogs, frying pans. Yeah. They will save your yes. life. Not only will they save your life, dogs don't like frying pans. And I'm pretty sure worldwide fry, frying pan skillets, whatever you call them, are easier to get hold of than weaponry and ammunition. Because you don't need ammunition for a frying pan, do you? You don't have to reload a frying pan, I as far as I know. Though, I fear, though, that a frying pan is relatively close range. Yeah. You have to be very good at your aim. You also have to be very good with with your aim at a dog if it's flying towards you with a handgun. Well, yeah, I suppose. You can't really bash a dog in the face as it's flying towards you with the butt of a handgun, can you? You're going to get caught. A frying pan, big, wieldy, makes that lovely sound. (laughs) Twock. You know, and it goes flying. Dogs do not like frying pans. Fact. 
pro life tip use a frying pan i feel like this is going to be logic again and shaky fist logic uh, that we don't like um i don't <laughs> so we're going to call it shaky fist logic um i don't like okay that the fact that um alice and angie managed to survive what was essentially a massive like huge backdraft kind of situation with the fire through what was essentially what looked to me like one of those blankets that you put over somebody when they've gone running and you need to kind of warm themselves up like it did not look like a like a proper massive like it wouldn't and and she kept her face open still as well and it's like that fire would have engulfed you like and your face was totally fine when you when you got I don't know I didn't like I didn't like it but again logic so what what you're saying is Alice still had her eyebrow was exactly yes. you very much so yeah <laughs> very much so also I've I've got a problem with the next conversation not the fact that they're both massively infected blah 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 and you find out the 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 start of the virus was to make his daughter well and then they weaponized it blah 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 it's you know i'm not gonna hurt you please show me your arm says the woman with the shotgun mm-hmm. on her back mm-hmm. i don't know about you but if i'm a kid and someone's got a heavy weapon strapped to their back and this is i'm not gonna hurt you back away slowly. we do find out here as well for some reason people who are, inf- who are infected seem to know about each other and and they, and, and yeah. we don't know why that is, um, and and it's the only time we ever hear about it happening. It's like, oh, Alice is, ma- oh, she's massively infected. I can tell. It's like there's no outward signs that she's massively infected. And uh, Angela, yeah, Alice can tell, and apparently Angela can tell that Alice is massively infected. It's like how how is this a thing? Like, it, it, uh, just it makes it makes no sense whatsoever. Plot. Plot. And that's what I'm going to stick with. Is because they didn't. They, they could. They could have like. They could have had like her arm, like the in the in the fire, like part of her sleeve burnt off, and you could see the little dots or something on her arm, and go, oh, "What's that?" And they figure it out. Rather than I can tell psychically that you're massively infected with the virus for plot reasons. Like, uh, it's just it's a step too far for me. <laughs> I say about the uh, the film that's not real, and uh, it's about the dead coming to life, but it's a step too far. immersion broken that's it there's no arm shot forget everything else keep that thought in your mind though because we are about to see alice run down the face Mm -hmm. of a building and i have written down for when that happens now we get to that scene because what happens is uh, alice gets on the phone and says i've got your daughter how do we get out there's a chopper brilliant okay enough they go and he says i suggest you make haste and uh, the the all of them except for Alice approach the front of the building and get sh- uh, they would have gotten shot at had Alice not been on the top of the building some somehow um, and she punches and kicks and deals with the guy and then straps herself in and runs down the face of a building and I've got it written down here I said oh hell no <laughs> I can suspend my disbelief enough to get that there are zombies I can suspend it enough. That there's a monster on the loose with a rocket launcher and a Gatling gun, who also is some kind of robot. But I draw the line at running down the face of a building in an effort to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just don't like that. That whole and she isn't even actually running down it. She's just rappelling down it, but moving her legs. This is falling with style. The just, the last part of that where it's like so many feet above the ground. Mila actually did that herself. Her stunt double did it all the way down and they sort of CG'd a face in quite badly. But the last part she actually did herself because she wanted to do the whole thing and they sort of went, no, you're not coming. <laughs> right. Uh-uh. But breaking into the evac site, all I've put is proving again, Carlos proves it, that leg foo is the best foo. Mm-hmm. He kicks people. Yeah. 
Also, Do how many it. knives does that guy have? Well, Dude's got knives for days. What the hell? I do like that, right? I've talked about the stupid over-the-top silly action stuff, but he throws the knife and catches the guy. I think it's in the throat, or is it through the glass? And he falls down, and Alice spins around and looks at him as if to say, he was mine. I was going to kill him. And he just goes, you missed one? (laughs) Like, uh, says it as a question. Genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You missed one? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this um i i quite the, the whole fight scene that ensues after this this is obviously where you've got uh that all happens and they try to get to the helicopter and then um mr switzerland uh whatever i'm calling him turns up <laughs> and goes oh you know do you think you're gonna get, get away that easily basically you know it's like oh, i've you know been one step ahead the whole time um and uh and nemesis comes to do the kind of final showdown battle with alice um and they what they like tie them all up don't they all the other guys are tied up and they have the whole mm-hmm. uh, thing where he's uh, oh yeah he's basically forcing her to fight right so she he's like oh you have to fight or I'm going to kill all these people and she's like I don't care and then he kills like Doctor Ashford which is like oh okay like the person she cares least about because she's only met him for like a yeah, minute right. <laughs> and she, he's like you you know I didn't even you know he's really important to the company but these people I don't care about but you know I killed him first okay, okay fine um, and there's the whole fight thing. Um, I enjoyed this whole section. I thought it was great. And there was a huge Code Veronica inspirating, inspirating? Mm. Uh, inspired bit that was brilliant. Um, but there was one thing. So the reason I've kind of gone this little bit forward is because I, I, I remembered while we were talking about the last stuff, another game inspired thing that we forgot to mention earlier, which is uh, so rewind a little bit. After LJ has been released from prison by Jill Valentine shooting his handcuffs off, and later on you see him. I know what you're on about. Yep. He's driving down the road and uh, he uh, runs over a zombie and just says, GDA motherfucker, and then goes on. <laughs> 10 points! <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, that that is a great game reference. Like, <laughs> amazing. Best quote of the entire film, hands down. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> What I want to know is when, when they sort of, they've tied everyone up and Alice is stood there, right? And then he's, he's giving, um, instructions, uh, Mr. Fantastic or whatever we're calling him now is giving instructions to Nemesis and he says, um, discard primary weaponry. Now, what I want to know and what I'd like people to tell in and find us is if you say that to either Alexa, Google Assistant or Siri, <laughs> What's the response? Oh, I can discard primary find out weaponry. Right now. Hang on, because... I've got a Siri. I'm going to talk to it. Let's see if you can hear it. Hey Siri, discard primary weaponry. It's thinking. Hello. Just a hello. Hang on. Discard primary weaponry. No, it's not. It, it, it doesn't even want to listen. Oh, that was a that was an anticlimax. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I I thought it would either go. What or say, say again, or it play a track from some indie band of the same. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once that's more. what I reckon. I don't think that's it heard me, to be fair. Uh, hey Siri, okay. discard primary weaponry. No, it's just not. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's like uh, it's like a, a Skynet thing, and it hears that, and it goes, "I oh, know, I'm too clever for you. I'm just not going to respond." <laughs> also, I I just want to apologise in advance for whatever list you've just been put on, Andrew. Yeah, um, I have to really apologise for saying that to Siri. I just want to apologise. I did just see somebody like shine a flashlight <laughs> through my window. Um, 
<laughs> They're on just, to me. Well, think of it this way. Just, just think of it this way. You're on a list with other people. That's nice. And now you've got an FBI agent watching everything you do. So you know, there's safer. that nice little security yeah, net. You're so much safer. Yeah, so yeah. much safer. Yeah, you, you're, being you're watched, in a club man. and you yeah. have lots of new friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've I've got a theory why um, Alice gets into the fight and she gets really absorbed. Is because of what I've put here is, of course, Alice is going to fight and kick all kinds of ass. Mr. Fantastic just made a young girl cry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm, Who wouldn't maybe. go nuts after that? Also, I'll put in big capital letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to, because that's essentially yeah. what it was. This is more whip sound effects. And I, I noticed as well during the fight scene, like because it's that, that era of time where you do lots of really fast cuts, so you can't really see the action. I feel like uh, a couple of things. Perhaps the Nemesis suit, the rubber suit that the guy's in, didn't give the range of movement, which is why he doesn't move and doesn't hit mm-hmm. her very often. And, and that's fair enough. So they cover that up with lots of really quick whip cuts and really quick sort of shaky cam stuff. But there is literally a shot in this fight scene where it's just pointing at a wall and the camera moves a little bit. Like, it's the wall of the building. And it's just like, wiggle, 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 and carry on. But maybe maybe that, the entire building was wiggling. Maybe that. But it is a, it's a fun fight scene. It's, it's, it is a lot of fun to watch. You know, this, uh, and then... I've written down um, the fight scene ends and Alice is, she's having, both of them, Alice and Nemesis are having all these flashbacks and it keeps cutting backwards and forwards to them and she gets really upset. She starts pummeling on Nemesis's chest because maybe she's taking her frustrations out on it, right? And then I looked at the time code for the movie and I'm like, there's 25 minutes of this movie yep. left. This feels like the end of the movie, but there's 25 minutes more. What, what, we, what, <laughs> what, where could we go from here? Now, I, I primarily listen to stuff with headphones, right? And all I've got to say is, not only did Alice chuck Norris Nemesis mm-hmm. to death, because she did, it was roundhouse kick after roundhouse kick, but that whole fight scene, because I was using headphones, I had to go into my equalizer settings and turn the bass down, because it was hurting my ears. Absolutely. Was it just Absolutely. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It nearly, it nearly blew one of my speakers every time that Nemesis was going, oh, oh. But, you know, that's well, was, their artistic decision. For, for me, it was the sound of actually doom to doom to doom. You know, it was just... Oh, right. Okay. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, too, too loud, too loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, holding my head. I, I, I had my headphones in front of me and I could hear it. And I thought, this is bearable now because it's away from my head. You know, oh. and, then, so, and then Captain Fantastic. I'm just going to change his name every time. <laughs> Captain Fantastic, Mr. Switzerland. Swiss, Swiss Chocolate Man, whatever he's called. He, he yells, <laughs> right? He yells, finish him. And my instant thought was, steady on, Shang Tsung. <laughs> you're not wearing the right colour coat, your, your hair's short, and you, you, you're just not in a Mortal Kombat film, just steady on. I do like, there's a there's a slight, again, it's logic, right, where the shouty, shaky face logic, right? Alice is all-powerful, and she knows this by now. And then um, Shang Tsung slash... Um, Swiss cheese man says, <laughs> I will give you the world on a platter if you kill Nemesis and come with me. And I'm like, if I'm that powerful, I don't need you. Mm, yeah. Right. And, but she's still like, oh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You, you don't need, you don't need to side with this person. You could do whatever you want. Right. You've just proved it. Yeah. But yeah. And it's the shaky Mr. Logic. Mr. Chocolate Cheese Man, right, says something yes. that really annoyed me. He said, it's not mutation, it's evolution. 
it's a forced evolution if you're making someone bond with some sort of liquid virus mm. thing. It's forced evolution. It's not normal evolution. It's forced. You'd have thought some sort of scientist from Switzerland would know that. But apparently mm. not, because plot. Where do I get the feeling we're going to... One of us is going to look this up after we've seen the movie. He's not from Switzerland. He's from France or something like that, right? Or he's Italian or, you know, we've got the accent completely wrong. <laughs> well, that dude had the accent completely wrong as well. He must have got it from a shop. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. It was all over the place, wasn't it? I do like the the Code Veronica bit where she's running through, she's running around that curved glass area and it's shooting all the glass. That's pretty yeah. cool. That, that's, that, that's really well yeah, done. Yeah, that whole scene is great. So before, when she said, I'm not going to go with you, and he just said, kill her, and then Nemesis turns and starts helping and whatever. Then she does the run around. Nemesis is... is shooting people and then he goes hand-to-hand combat what i was really expecting i was really disappointed at was he didn't pick up a guy by his foot mm-hmm. and beat another guy to death <laughs> <laughs> that would have really made my day just <laughs> and then picked up another guy and just start flailing around both handed but mr swiss cheese chocolate face mm-hmm. right said <laughs> kill her you're worthless kill her after she's finished doing the, the run from the chopper, which is another Code Veronica thing, and then she sort of stops in front of the three guys, right? Then she does the gun drop and shoots them. They were just all ordered to kill her, so why didn't the shooter on sight? Well, that's true. Yeah, they just wait. They just wait. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, she's put her hands up. That's totally fine. But it was it was obviously just to do the cool Code Veronica thing, which was very cool. I mean, that, that whole thing, when, it, when I first saw that in the opening to Code Veronica, I was like, this would look awesome in a movie. And it did. I mean, they didn't get the explosion thing like they did in Code Veronica, but it was still cool to see her drop the gun and then kind of swoop underneath and, and pick it up and shoot them still. And by the way, while we've been talking, I've looked up the actor who plays uh, Swiss cheese chocolate face man. Um, he is from... <laughs> He was born in East Germany, so before Germany was reunified after <laughs> communism fell. Um, his name is Thomas uh, Kretschmann. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's German. That is a German accent that we've been hearing. Yeah, he, he's a Kretschmann, obviously. You know, <laughs> maybe that's what we call him from now on, Kretschmann. Kretschmann. No, he's Swiss, <laughs> Swiss cheese chocolate face. Swiss <laughs> cheese chocolate face. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So they, they end so, up so, on the. Oh, sorry. They, they, I was, I was going to say they end up on the chopper. Uh, why are we taking off? Because I usually drive a car like Punch. Uh, I love that line. That's a brilliant. Yeah. They leave him. LJ in this movie is yeah. criminally really underused. What yeah. one of the things that sort of struck me that I, I remembered from earlier on the film was a mutation that Doctor Ashford had passed on to his daughter, and he tried to give her something so that she'd be able to walk as long as it was under control, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. There's a moment where after Swiss Cheese Chocolate Face shoots him, right, she looks, and then she looks really annoyed and upset. Originally, when I first saw this, I thought, no one's looking at her, she must have infected him with something, but then all she's got is the antidote. So that means his his reanimation is down to his own disorder that he had in the beginning. Must be. Because the antidote doesn't reinfect people, the T-virus does. And you need to create the virus to create the antidote, so... Yeah, there's there's no mention. What you're getting at is that that um, Angela says, "Daddy gave me this virus because it would slow down, presumably MS or something similar that she's suffering mm. with." But there's no overt mention to Daddy also took it mm. to stop his, but and has to take the antidote every day. The the box that she has has the antivirus, so she couldn't have infected him. Which leads me to believe that eventually, when if he wasn't shot, if he died, the zombie outbreak would have started anyway. 
Because when he dies and his body reanimates him, he was just going to start munching on people. Well, didn't they? So I'm trying to, again, logic, shaky fist. Um, so they're trying to... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to piece this all together now. So the, <laughs> by this point, the virus had gone airborne. I think they mentioned that very early on in the film. So he would have reanimated regardless as soon as he died. So that makes sense. Yeah. But also in terms of... I, I don't think he's ever used it on himself. The reason that she's injecting herself is to keep he, he it, like what she's got the anti the antivirus is actually a it, it was made for her in order to stop her from doing that so it's not that she's infected with the virus it's that she's using this because she has to use it lots because we we've already seen when because carlos took an injection of it and it just stopped the virus he's not gonna have to keep taking that injection but she has to keep taking it in order to keep at bay the effects of her it's like regenerating her almost like regenerating her body so she's taking it for that reason. Whereas if you use it as an antivirus, it just kills the virus. It's what I got from that. And then the reason he reanimates is just because the virus is airborne and he's got it anyway. I think uh, that's shaky fist logic. It was one of those I just thought if this hadn't happened and he would have died of natural causes later on, it would have kicked off well, anyway. I wonder if I wonder if it's meant but to be logic. like hubris. Because obviously he he's... he's artificially well i mean he's he's engineered this virus and the antidote to try and help his mm-hmm. daughter but he ends up getting it anyway just because hubris yeah. i wonder if that's but then is that giving the giving paul w s anderson way too much credit probably <laughs> probably is yeah. I'm, the, with the way that he writes these movies i'm not sure he could spell hubris <laughs> yeah probably not no he, he has a difficult enough time spelling mila's last name i'm an so. <laughs> well fair enough that's probably why he married her, so then he wouldn't have to spell it anymore. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's a brilliant line, right? Uh, they grab they grab Captain um, Ketchman, or whatever we've said his name is, right? And he says, if you expect me to beg, there was it, uh, if, you, if you expect me to beg, I will not. She spins round with him, and then literally the next sound out of his mouth, and I couldn't catch it because I didn't have the subtitles, was either please or wait. Mm-hmm. Both of which are him yeah. begging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quickly turns. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know. Yeah. Again, I was going to say again, shaky fist logic. That's uh, just a, exactly. You should get like a jingle made for that now. The shaky fist logic jingle. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to now. Huh? I'm, I'm going to yeah. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so a next bit of shaky fist logic that I've got is you, you see some cuts of when the missile goes to hit and there's some direct cuts from the, the game, which I thought was really good mm-hmm. for the end. Not all of them, but a couple of them where you see it the overhead, the, the you see the zombies. Yeah, yeah. Recreation. And they mentioned earlier in the film that it's a nuclear missile. There was no mushroom cloud. No, but not every nuclear missile has a... You're thinking atomic yeah. missile. Nuclear missiles that have... I mean, I'd, I'd nuke that clouds. place out of orbit. <laughs> well, it's the only way to be sure. But I always thought a nuclear missile needed a, cl- uh, a mushroom cloud. Well, I would have sent an atomic bomb. No, sort of. I think. I think because completely. yeah, you're mixing nuclear with mm. atomic. It's bit. it's it's that explosion to send all the alcohol gel everywhere, and it, that's, <laughs> that's why it. you can't see the cloud as gel going yeah. everywhere. That's it. Yeah. But I'll point out, right? The new kits, and there's still 15 minutes of yeah. film left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Six minutes of the actual film is credits. I will. No, of course. Yeah. Okay. So there's still 10 minutes of the film left, right? So 
you find out that, you know, the, 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 the helicopter crashes and there's Alice laid out there, presumably dead, but everyone else has disappeared. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Just get Alice back to the, to the thing, right? Back to the, um, lab. the, whatever research center, the lab. Yeah. Yeah. And then literally the next note I have is five, five, five dash jail is quite possibly the greatest phone number ever. <laughs> yep. For, for the newsreel, that was found I don't footage remember, in the fake. You know? Yeah, I don't remember why. I think it's one of the, you know, they do the, uh, that's it. They do the cuts of, um, you know, uh, this footage released by Jill Valentine and Carlos, uh, I want to say Riviera. Oliveira. That's probably Oliveira. Right. Oliveira. Okay, so you can see how I got there, right? <laughs> the, the letters are still there, right? Even and it's like, <laughs> it's been, it's been, uh, it's been released and there's all this footage and, and stuff. And then, and then they go, but it's been refuted. It's fake news. And, but they don't say fake news, but it's fake news. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then the number flashes up for you to call if you have more information. And it's 1-800-555-JAIL. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the best phone number ever. Americans have loads of those, <laughs> though, don't they? They always have that, like, four-letter word at the end that matches up to numbers. Mm-hmm. But so how do they manage to do it? Like, yeah. it's always, they always manage to get the one that relates to their like their industry their business it's like if you if they tried that in the uk bt would be like no just get what you're given just have that number it doesn't matter if the last four digits match <laughs> the letters it's just not going to happen um yeah so that whole part where they recover um alice's body i've just summed that up in one sentence and that's um where is it two weeks later umbrella is dropping its hip gear <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I do have written down that um the ending is very much alien resurrection. So like the movie very swiftly takes a, a handbrake turn into hard science fiction and cyberpunk, mm-hmm. I think. Because obviously they go, Oh well, we better we better clone her or bring her back to life somehow. And there's this great there's this strange bit where he's like, Can you hear me? Can you understand me? Do you know what this is? It's called a pen and she's mouthing pen, pen, pen. Then Oh no, don't worry, I've got all my faculties <laughs> back and I'm gonna beat you all up at it because I remember. <laughs> it's like how I don't think you can. Mm. I think I got whiplash from that happening. There was some kind of thing he mentioned, right? There was like a specific thing that was said or mentioned, and she went, "Oh!" But my 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 takeaway from that, the, the, do you remember your name? Yeah, my overriding said, yeah. memory of that whole scene was the weird contraption she was in at the beginning. Like one, the fact that she was completely naked because apparently Miliovovich has to be naked in every Resident Evil film um, in, to yeah. some de- degree. Um, I mean, you know, the, the boobs were on full display in in that particular scene, like t- total full frontal. Um, but the, it's the fact that it was this weird like chamber filled with water or liquid or whatever, and she's got a breathing mask on, and then it tips sideways to let her out. There's like a, a little chair that she sat on as well, so she's comfortable. Um, like tip side <laughs> to let her out, but then it's like she's convulsing as if she's just like um, trying to like spit out all the water. But she's had breathing apparatus on. Like, what's going on? That that, that whole thing was just like again, it's a step too far in the movie about dead people coming back to life. Yes. Now, now a couple of things with that. One, they, they they didn't know if she had all the memories back. I mean, concussion and resurrection will do that to you. But I think the reason why she's convulsing on a side, and this is going to make more sense and more more sense of a lead on than the third movie than anything else, right? The reason why she's convulsing is on a side is because she's coughing because of the face hugger that was on her face uh, while she was. Um, that's how she's back. Yeah. We're, we're going to have zombies versus aliens, and I think that'd be an awesome <laughs> film. <laughs> That makes more sense in the third yeah. film. I've, I've just come up with a million dollar idea because yeah. why not? And so also she, e- experiments because of course experiments. Of course. 
she she beats up all of these defenseless scientists, right? And they keep getting vital signs readings, you know, uh, stress levels are reaching too How? high. And her heart, yeah, she's not hooked up to <laughs> anything, right? Heart rate's too high, stress level's too high, muscle um, uh, tensing too high. She's going to crack. She's gonna, and then she beats up all of these helpless scientists. And then someone pulls like a taser and tries to electrocute her and it hits her. And you can hear it. And she just kind of goes, grab, throw. Like, so she can't be electrocuted. So muscles don't convulse when they're electrocuted. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's you know shaky fist logic. Logic. But also, she throws it back at the guy, and he gets electrocuted. But surely he would let go of the trigger of the taser, like when it's been thrown back, and he wouldn't continually, unless I guess with the electrocution, it forces his hand down onto the trigger more. I don't know, but it seemed a bit shaky fist logic. Just any time we say shaky fist logic in the entire podcast, replace it with the jingle. I don't know how you're going to do yes, it, but yeah. just, just replace that song. Oh, I'll do it. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> you see, I, I reckon that they must have used the one time they used like real life physics mm-hmm. was it that, right? And they had to reshoot it because someone, because obviously someone thought Miller can take a shot with a stun gun <laughs> covered in water, right? So the sh- the they hit her with it and started tasering. Instead of her just going, giving the face and throwing it back, she dropped to the floor. Uh-huh. And started and it hit everyone else because the floor was covered <laughs> yeah. in water. And then when they went cut and everyone was back to normal, someone probably would have gone, Let's shoot this differently. We shouldn't use logic in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, after after you've got like so many of the cast permanently damaged because the shock damage. Yeah. didn't really happen. That was just my interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously my my notes here for this next part while she's walking away, right? Is Alice is a technomancer now? No, wait a minute, she's just psychic. Yeah, right. I, I've got written down. Is she is she become Eve from Paris yeah. and Eve? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I don't. That that was yeah, that was unnecessary the, the as well for her. Right? Like she didn't need to turn all the screens to her face and then like make him die by from what I gather is like imploding his brain from the inside. Like she was very careful not to kill any of the guy of the doctors inside the lab. She just knocked them out. I mean, she might have killed the taser guy. I don't know how strong the taser was, but. Um, she killed the the security guard who by all intents and purposes was just like one of those sleepy security guards like next to a door who would just like oh somebody's getting out oh okay i'll just i'll call the boss like but it didn't look like he was any threat whatsoever exploded his brain and looked really evilly into the camera it's like what mm-hmm. why what why was that necessary mm-hmm. maybe she got jill's megalomania and ego just for yeah. a second she needed the cigarette as well everyone look at me while i explode his brain jams going everywhere mm-hmm. Maybe so, but it's it's that it's that little head tilt as well, and the smile. Yeah, yeah. she she had evil yeah. thoughts there. Coy evil head tilt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's trademarked. Yeah. I think is now <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah first <laughs> I've I've got two more notes on this, just two, and I'll go through them really fast because everyone's got different interpretations at the end of the film. First one is so Carlos and Jill work for Umbrella now, and the I last one is have that written ah, Alice is a robot. Mm. And I literally have that written down too. (laughs) Joined at the brain. What's going on? Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it feels very much the ending pivots so hard against Mm. the horror and into hard science fiction that, like I say, I said it earlier on as a jokey reference, but I feel like it gave me whiplash just how quickly it Mm. turned. It turned so quickly into, well, she's dead. Now what do we do? Well, because she's dead, we can recreate her again. Brilliant. Okay, and then we can give her all these extra powers. And then her eye does the kind of... Umbrella logo thing. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's like, uh, maybe she is a robot now, maybe she's not. But hey, guess what? You've got to watch the third one to find out. Ooh. It was, yeah, it was <laughs> bizarre. Like, the whole Jill and Carlos working for Umbrella, they, it felt like they blatantly didn't, and they were just kind of, like, trying their luck with getting the costumes on and, like, having pretend credentials. Um, but it was, uh, and it, it was just all very silly. It was incredibly silly. And they'd come exactly at the time that she'd escaped, like you know not like yeah. it was it was perfect timing but so i obviously i watched i watched the first film for this i watched the second film and then i watched part of the third film and what i've gathered from the ending of this film and then seeing the beginning of, of film three is that they were trying to remake the alien trilogy because the first film is alien the second film is aliens when they escape with newt and all that kind of stuff in the car and they go off on their separate you know on their journey as in you know to the uh, the prison planet, which is which is Resident Evil Three, the the, the deserty pl- planet they find themselves on, is uh, is the prison planet from or the prison ship from Resident Evil uh, Alien Three. And you, I was going to say Furina, but that's um, that's Riddick in it. I had the name a second. I forgot what the name of the ship is, oh. but um, but Newt, Newt dies in uh, between films. Spoiler. And most of the other things do. <laughs> you know? I mean, spoiler for a twenty-something, twenty, thirty-year-old film. But sure. Um, <laughs> um, I hope you've seen it now because I've just spoiled the uh, <laughs> beginning of being the scarred for life. Um, Not just spoiled, scarred. But for they, life. but they don't bring back Angela between from from two to three. Mm. But they do bring back uh, t- uh, Carlos and oh, I've forgotten his name, LJ. They do bring back Carlos and LJ, but there's no mention of Angela whatsoever that I can remember. So she just disappears. I've got a theory about the end of okay. the film. They got so far when writing the script, whoever wrote the script, I'm not going to mention names or whatever, but they got so far as recovering her and then she's in a an experiment and he sort of got to there and it's dot, dot, dot and the, the case is going like that, right? And he went to the pub mm-hmm. and he had a brainstorm and a drunken haze, I'm assuming it's a guy, and went, I know, and he got a beer mat and a pen and he scribbled. Mm-hmm. And that's how he came up with the end of the film. And he went back the next day, severely hung over, and went, what was I typing? Sorry, I'll just make it up. <laughs> and he just typed. It does feel like the ending was written very quickly in a fever yeah. dream. Just like, how can we tease a tr- how can we tease a sequel? How can we tease a sequel? Mm-hmm. You know? the, the whole Maybe point of the film me. is you don't tease a sequel. You make a good enough film where a sequel is greenlit. Well, yeah. And if they were teasing a sequel at the end of that, and they completely threw all of the stuff that they did at the end of the film out the window with the next film, like she doesn't have psychic powers after that. That's the only time that I remember having any psychic powers. It, it makes it makes a little sense. I yeah, the the end of that film is probably the worst part of that film. I think the rest of the worst part of Apocalypse. It certainly makes little sense. Yeah, with a film that makes no sense. Yeah, Absolutely. it makes its own kind of sense to a degree, but that that end bit just yeah, they throw they they throw it all out the window. Is it jump the shark? Is that the term? They jump the shark by that point. Yeah, that's jump the shark. Yeah, yeah, comes from Happy yeah, Days. Jump the liquor. The Fonzie literally jumped over a yeah. shark. <laughs> it was and and then there's this wonderful scene. If you've ever seen Arrested Development, there's this throwaway joke that happens. You blink and you mm-hmm. miss it. There is a dead shark on a pier, and the guy who plays the Fonz is in. Arrested Development, and he hops over the shark yeah. as if to say, "Hey, we're referencing jumping yes. over the shark," and it's just genius. And like, it's literally a blink and you miss it. Genius, but that's it's full of stuff like that.
So what we usually do um, is we usually rate the movie, but we rate it across three different criteria. We'll get to community uh, comments in a moment if we've got time. Um, but we usually uh, rate the movie across three different criteria. And those criteria are, uh, how do you rate this movie as a generic genre movie so in this instance a generic horror slash action slash science fiction movie so we're, we're taking it on face value we're not connecting it to any any uh universes or any licenses or anything like that and then the second one is as a video game movie so as a movie that is based on something to do with video games it's not based on a specific one just like in that sort of era if you were if this was a video game that was not a resident evil game and then they made the movie of it how would you mm-hmm. rate it and then the third one is as a resident evil video game tie-in so as officially licensed merch of the resident evil canon and we usually rate these uh just uh, we mentioned it at the beginning but i may as well repeat it now anyway i'm on a roll um and the the ratings that we use uh it's a three-tier system you either love it which is the highest rating you either just watch it and where it's like it's a rainy sunday afternoon you got nothing else to do may as well put the movie on and just sort of zone out or you fling it into a tree which is our lowest rating you should never watch it don't bother with it so uh what do you think of andrew uh, first off, so as a generic horror action science fiction y type movie. Oh, generic horror. I mean, are we assuming that people that, that you watch the first film first because it's the second film? Sure, yeah. So as a series of horror action science fiction movies. I mean, th- th- I can't say love it, right? Because they're, they're not like, they're not up there with some of the best, <laughs> like, you know, like. Um, uh, like like alien aliens you know it's 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 not that kind of film or what's the film with sam neill in it in space oh my goodness jurassic park yeah <laughs> jurassic park <laughs> famously that's a film set in space that one was um, in space <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of dino crisis 3 um no so um <laughs> no that that doesn't no. exist that was a string of words that i don't really understand dino crisis 3 what's that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I can't say it's it's I don't I can't say I'd fling it into a tree because it, it it's it's a fun film, it's watchable, it's it's not it's not the best example of the genre, but it's certainly a fun one. So I'd say yeah, I'd watch it for sure. Okay, what about you, Squidge? How do you feel about it as a generic action horror science fiction sequel movie? It's it's a nice creative waste of time that you can quite happily shake your fist at. So I definitely watch it. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you both. It's it's it is it's a good way to waste an hour and a half. Um, you know, there's there's some genuinely good action set pieces. There's some brilliant one-liners, all from LJ. And if only LJ was more used in the in the film, then yeah, yeah uh, I agree. He, he's the real hero of that movie, I think. Yes. More LJ, that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> so then, same same people, same order, um, as a video game movie. So imagine there was a video game made, and then they made this movie of that video game. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of, I, I'm th- almost thinking of, like, how it's ranked among the pantheon of video game movies out there, like, you know, against something like a Mortal Kombat or a Tomb Raider or... Something along those lines. I mean, video game films generally uh, have not done well. They're they're not a well represented genre in in the hall of fame of movies. You know, there's there's a, at most there's two, um, and one of those being very recent addition. But 
this would never get into the Hall of Fame of video game movies. It's the first one knocks on the door of it. Um, the second one, it's more of a video game movie than the first one because it borrows so heavily from the games, but it's also not the best movie and it has nothing to do with the games. So I would say, uh, yeah, it's it's another watch. I wouldn't fling it into a tree because it's it's by no means is it something as horrendous as like the Alone in the Dark movie or any of the U-Bowl um, <laughs> video game movies that are out there. Mm. It's not in that league whatsoever. Um, however, it, it's it's certainly not great either. So watch it. Yeah, watch it again. Now I've watched it. What do you think, Squidge? Um, um, I don't know whether I'd fling it into a tree or watch it on this one because it's it it relies too heavily on a video for for like a generic video game movie. It relies too heavily on the video game movie. If you're going to make a video game movie based on a video game, like proper, you either go one of two ways. You either loosely base on it and borrow features, or you make a script of a video game and follow it. Mm-hmm. It does neither. Mm. Right. I would say I'd stretch it to watch it as a video game movie because I don't want to fling it into a tree on that. I would watch it, but it's very close to being flung into a tree as a video game <laughs> movie. Right. Okay. Um, so what you're saying is we need an extra level between watch it and fling it into a tree. And that's like, watch it into a tree, fling it into a watch. Fling it into a tree <laughs> after you've shake watched it. Shake your fist at it. <laughs> shake your fist at it. <laughs> shake your fist at it. Okay, very yeah, enough. It's just, just um, watch it, yeah. I, I'm, still, I'm still sitting on watch it because as a, like, it's 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 not it's not the worst video game movie ever made, I don't think. But it's also not the best. Um, again, we're, we're iterating towards what I think is the best. And like I say, I'll happily tell Andrew once we finish recording to keep it a secret from the listeners. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm still sitting on. I'm still sitting on. Watch it. Um, yeah, I, I would say as a video game movie, it's worth a watch. It's an hour and a half. There's some fun stuff and great action set pieces. And I mean, in this day and age, who doesn't love watching someone take out a whole bunch of zombies? Right. It's true. Yeah. 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 I've, oh, by the way, I, I've, I've totally guessed what your what the best video game movie is. It's all iteration. You've done a Resident Evil and Resident Evil Two one. It's obviously Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, right? Absolutely, yeah. it's definitely going to go through every single Resident Evil film. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners can't hear it, but Squidge is shaking his fist, <laughs> but not in the shaky fist. No, time. in an angry way. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the final rating, or sorry, the final criteria that we do is as a tie-in to a video game uh, uh, license or series or universe. So same people, same order. As a video game tie-in movie to the Resident Evil franchise, considering that there are the CGI movies, which are, in my opinion, infinitely mm-hmm. better. Uh, there's also, this will date the recording, the uh, last week uh, Netflix announced a new CGI they're using the term anime, but I have some opinions on that. But a CGI uh, TV series with, uh, with uh, I believe it's Leon and Claire, mm-hmm. but I may be wrong. I'm a bit hazy on that because they've announced like 15 new properties or something. Yeah. But as a Resident Evil video game tie-in as part of a license, part of the canon, part of the universe, love it, watch it, fling it into a tree. It's a difficult one. Um, see... Now you've mentioned the uh, the CGI films, 
I don't, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of those because they, they they kind of build off the later games and I don't like the later games story as much as I do the original ones and they do a lot of things with Claire that I don't like in the second movie and, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, these, the live action films, apart from two, have absolutely nothing to do with the games whatsoever um you know they use characters from the games but they don't use them in in the same way that the games use them so you get claire you get wesker in the later films but they're terrible apocalypse resident evil one had basically none of the characters from the games right it was just it was a, it was what you were saying squidge it was like a, a kind of a tangentially i can't remember pronounced that right it was very basically related to resident evil but it didn't follow the script and that was a good way to do it to start with. And Final Fantasy Spirits Within does similar. And the fact that it's, I mean, it's Final Fantasy, never, no, none of the games are ever related. But um, Resident Evil 2, as we've said before, they brought, uh, so Apocalypse brings in a load of stuff from the games in order to make it more game, it more like the games. And it's the only one of the live action films that does that to a degree that's okay so i quite like jill in this jill's quite cool she's got her resident evil 3 costume on it's great um carlos is all right you know he's pretty much like carlos in the game in the original game um you know they've got uh, general bits and plot points and and throwbacks and homages to all the different video games that have been had come out to that point and that was fantastic but it doesn't follow any of the actual story of the game it is really silly it's I, as a Resident Evil property, it doesn't represent Resident Evil in the slightest, apart from those small little glimmers of Resident Evil. But I really like it still, and I can't bring myself to throw it in a tree. Um, I, I I want to say I love it because I really do love the first and second Resident Evil live action films. But when you look at it logically proper logic not shaky fist logic when you properly look at it logically <laughs> it is not a great resident evil film and never was so i'm just gonna say watch it i can't love it i can't throw it into a tree so it's watch it again yeah okay that's fair enough that's fair enough um before you give your answer squidge i'll tell you how i'm not gonna tell you my rating but i will tell you how i feel about the the movie i feel like it's a uh, in the same way that the Resident Evil 3 remake is like an alternate telling of the same story, I feel like this is an alternate telling of the same story, but with a slightly different uh, main character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'd said uh, giving away something for, for Andrew because he, he hasn't heard it yet uh, at the time of recording. But in our recording of my thoughts of the first Resident Evil, um, Alice doesn't really have a character um, because she's meant to be your she's meant to be you she's meant to be the avatar for the 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 viewer being in the game right and so taking that same journey this one puts you as the viewer in the place of someone who is going through the outbreak that is happening in the resident evil 3 video game timeline without putting you in the shoes of jill or any of the characters that you know so that you can interact with them that's how i feel about it um but i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve my um my my rating until Squidge has done his, and then I'll tell you. Um, I can't be as eloquent as Andrew. <laughs> I really can't with um, how I feel about this. I so mean, I'm really gonna, good if you tried, right? I'm not going to though. I'm going <laughs> to use two quotes that I heard the two of my very good friends say, and I wrote them down because it was so awesome. Right. Okay. So, from 
Me, Audrey. he said this once and this sums up the film and so does the second quote which isn't from him but he said it made me wince harder than vodka has in years <laughs> right mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense and the second one came from Chief Chief Problems and he said um, it's ever so lightly less, less monotonous than Root Canal <laughs> that's unfair that's unfair I think not that bad. I just thought I might mention those quotes because they're awesome. <laughs> but it's it's referenced the movie. Mm. Essentially, mm. it's it's almost as bad as that that stupid world with Adam Sandler where they have to play video games to save the planet. Pixels with a giant Pac Man. Yeah, it's it's not to that level, but it almost is. It's it, I can't give it anything other than fling it into a tree because they didn't really have a plot. They just copy and pasted from the video games. It's it's executed rather well. There's some good parts in it, but the story of it's pretty lazy. I'd argue though that that if if it was a true to the original source material, then it would be a copy paste of the video mm-hmm. game, right? Yeah, no, but there, there could have been a little bit more inventive because there was a whole city and there wasn't many places they went to. That's true. Yeah, there's only like a handful, maybe twelve set set pieces I, I would kind of like to know what you would do with the third film because there must be something worse than flinging it into a tree for that particular movie like <laughs> um I, I i would use a line that um z-boy used i would um fling it into orbit and nuke it because that's the only way to be sure <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds about right the third film <laughs> but but the second film um i would actually play more on some of the superhero-ish elements so Alice being this mega awesome person, I'd play a bit more on that because that's more believable than her being vulnerable at any point in the film. Because she's meant to be this uber badass, but at a certain point she shows a little bit of vulnerability and it just doesn't work for me. So I'd, I'd fling that some bit into a tree um, <laughs> as a Resident Evil game <laughs> a movie. That's what I'd do. So for me, I'm I'm sitting between watch it and fling it into a tree. I don't think it fully deserves the fling it into a tree because I do feel like it. Uh, maybe I'm giving Paul W. S. Anderson way too much credit for the way that it <laughs> came across. Maybe this wasn't his intention when he was writing it, but to me, it feels very much a case of let's tell a slightly different, like an alternate history version of the Resident Evil Three timeline of events but put this extra character in, almost Mary Sue you into the film. Mm. And I feel like that, but then to Mary Sue the average person into a zombie apocalypse movie, you'd have to give them superpowers because not everyone can use guns and mm. not everyone has that survival training. It's it's the superpowers bit that throws me off. If it wasn't for the being able to leap small, small buildings in a single bound and being able to kill someone with your mind and to be able to look at them and know whether they're infected. I'd say, I'd say it was pretty bog standard. It's watchable, but it's those things that make me lean more towards fling it into a tree. That's my problem. Mm. I'd argue if you were going to, if you were going to marry Sue, uh, the character, the, the, the audience into that, you'd have put them in the shoes of Terry more than anybody else, like putting somebody into the shoes of Alice I, I don't particularly feel like I am a um, a super powered lady um, who who is quite often found nude. Um, I'm, I'm clothed quite often, and I don't have superpowers. And 
<laughs> so I just can't relate, but, unfortunately, to Alice in the film whatsoever. But you do walk around making lots of references to video games. So clearly, yeah, you are TJ. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you will often find me driving a car and shouting GTA motherfucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happens. I knew it. I knew it. I just knew it. I can't drive either. So I am really reckless. I am running over people constantly. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, if I wasn't on a list before, after today, I'm definitely on a list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't me this time as well. Hey. Absolutely. <laughs> so we do have a few community comments if we've got time. I know we've been going for quite a yeah. long time now. Um, but uh, I do like that. Uh, so, Andrew, you sent out a tweet earlier on today um, asking, you know, what does everyone think of this? And there's some lovely comments, um, especially the accidental typo. That was that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Scrooge, you may not be looking at the tweet, but it's it says uh, I'm going to be discussing the love action movie <laughs> instead of live action movie. But yeah, everybody loves um, love action There's some movie. wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm just um, imagining the entire movie, but instead of uh, merely what's the face playing Alice, it's Hugh Grant. That'd be a completely different <laughs> film, wouldn't it? That would be same outfit that works. Well, it wouldn't go anywhere because Hugh Grant would just be going for like the better yet, replacingly Ovovich with Andy McDowell from Four Weddings and a Funeral, and and Nemesis is 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 Hugh Grant instead. Nemesis should be Rowan Atkinson. Playing not the character of Four Weddings and Funeral to preach. He should just play Mr. Oh Bean. Buzz. <laughs> Bean. <laughs> Instead of saying stars. Bean. Bean. <laughs> and he's not there to kill the stars members. He's just trying to find his, his teddy bear that's been stolen. That's and he's, he's just gone absolutely nuts and mutated. I'd watch but that yeah. film. <laughs> so I, I would genuinely like to thank everyone who's reached out to let us know about Resident Evil Apocalypse. I really appreciate it. Um, there's a, there's a person, uh, Play Sushi UK on Twitter has said, uh, essentially they echoed the same GTA motherfucker <laughs> line. Um, <laughs> and I love that, um, we've, we've hinted at this in the past that Andrew has this totally not a gremlin like ability to convince other people to do uh-huh. things. And there's this wonderful, um, uh, remark from Mark Hammond, original PMF that basically says along the lines of, I may have to watch this movie. And there you are going, yeah, watch yeah. it, watch it, watch <laughs> <Do> it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I can't do that to everybody because there are some of the like, little comments about how people really don't like this film. Uh, so Steve from the Dreamcast Years podcast piped up um, and said, it is a movie of poor quality. That was his feedback. <laughs> And that's I more mean, harsh than me saying, you know, it's um, I've winced. It made me wince harder than uh, vodka in years. That's more harsh, just very straight really to the point harsh, and harsh. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, there's there's lots of lovely comments. I can't. I obviously won't have time to read them all. Um, and we also, like I said earlier on, we we posted on Reddit and or rather I posted on Reddit asking for feedback. And I have to say that the the Resident Evil subreddit is full of really nice people um i've only ever interacted with the nice people on there so i don't know whether there's a small subsection of not nice people but yeah i I do want to so i want to thank everyone who commented there's like seven or eight comments um uh, i'll put the names of the people who commented into the show notes rather than reading them all out but there's a couple that are just two that i want to read 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 off um lukey tog 2 has said that um this is unfortunately one of their least favorites along with retribution of final chapter um it's not as tense as the first movie and the action is inferior. And I'm like, eh, 
maybe I can see that. Um, but uh, they do go on to say that Sienna, who played Jill Valentine, did a really good mm. job, but was sidelined by the material because what she got was not enough. Um, and it could have been... Uh, they, they do then go on to say that there's lots of nitpicks about maybe the hair colour is wrong and like the way the cut of the, the, the top is a bit off, but that's more nitpicky. But I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, thanks for letting us know. And then there's uh, Canuck Nation 83, who basically says that uh, agrees with pretty much everyone else in there. Again, I'll link to the Reddit thread. Um, but he was, uh, they were really excited about Nemesis being in there at the end of the first film. Um, they were a little disappointed about how they handled Nemesis, but it looked and acted very much like in the games. Um, but they didn't try to emulate it too much, which let them have a little of their own spin on things. Um, but then they, yeah, it's Alice has superpowers and they are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it takes away from that horror aspect. If, it, you know, it's, it's the Superman aspect, right? Mm-hmm. The thing I always throw at people is the Superman aspect or the Doctor Who aspect. I'm going to really alienate some people here, but Superman uh, is an alien who has superpowers. But they needed a way to stop him from being super, so they invented this green MacGuffin that makes him not super anymore, mm-hmm. right? And again, I'm going to upset somebody by saying this, but Doctor Who, not really a superhero, but he has the sonic screwdriver, which is the magic MacGuffin that can do anything. As long as he has that, then there's no real drama there so okay I, I kind of understand what it where he's come from that bit was my own personal opinion by the way um but yeah the superpowers really detracts from the horror and i kind of totally agree with that they and then um the the uh conduct nation 83 then goes on to say that they really like that it was set in raccoon city and you got the real feeling that it was overrun with hordes of zombies um definitely and and then again, it's it, it about not enough material for Jill and stuff like that. But o- other than the flaws, it was a really enjoyable film. Mm. And they it goes on for a little while. I won't read it all out, but essentially they say six out of ten. And I can I can totally agree with it. Yeah. Like I said, if you disconnect it from the license, it's a fun action horror movie. Yeah. You know, I I just like to point out really quickly that I could have said the most horrible comment about this film, which I've mentioned before about a particular game. I'm going to repeat here. I could have said this film's like Chicken Box. You have to experience it at least once, but I didn't. <laughs> I just like to mention. I've heard you say that before. It, Which game I... was this that you'd said this about before? Hmm. Blue Sting. Ah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I knew that was familiar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Um. I, I I agree. It's not it's not blue sting. Oh, it's bad. not. No, <laughs> not much is. Um, it's um, <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, the the whole the, all the Jill comments are, are totally true. They underused Jill in the film because mm. she was cool when she was in it, and then they didn't bring her back for three, which I'm guessing is scheduling conflicts and stuff. And then, and I'm going way forward now, but just just to show how little they gave a fuck about Jill, and plus you have to be. But um, so they brought her back at the end of four as a little teaser with her Resident Evil Five outfit, which was super cool, and I loved that. Then at, at, in the fifth film, Retaliation, I think it was, um, that it was basically an elongated um action scene where they brought every character back that they possibly could to go oh look look at these people you remember from the first film isn't this great and kind of use jill very little again and then they were making the sixth film the final chapter jill was supposed to be in that um Milly got pregnant 
And by the time they realised that they could make the film, uh, Sienna Gilroy could no longer do it. So they had to kill her off. Um, So (laughs) they completely messed up Jill really completely and the only time she was ever good is in this second film in, in Apocalypse and they completely underused her still in that so yeah mm. gutted it's a real shame it really is but right, we've now talked about Resident Evil Apocalypse I hope that you feel a little bit of uh, catharsis for having to get that out of your system the, the good points and the bad points and I hope that it wasn't such a horrible time talking about yeah, it. It was all right. We've talked about this film for longer than the film actually went on for. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We really have. We really have. Um, but uh, because we're coming towards the end, um, I, I will. Uh, what we need to do first is we need to find out where people can go to learn more about Andrew and all of the things that he does. Right? I know that there's Dreamcast Year 2 is coming up. Uh, you've got the Dreamcast Years podcast, which uh, is supporting of that. And there's the, uh, this Years Mag or Year Mag. I forget the name of it. Uh-huh. That's a thing that's maybe happening. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Give us a little bit more information. Um, about that. So that is that is super early stage. So um, it was something that me and Matt, the editor of Dreamcast Year 1 and 2, thought about. And it's, it's kind of, it's like a... It's all of the things that we've done so far condensed into like what we think will probably be the perfect form. So it's it's going to be a magazine, or hopefully it'll be a magazine that covers gaming from 1994 to 2009. And each it, 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 what we're hoping to do is have like a limited run of eight issues, and each issue covers two years. And uh, essentially, you'll just be kind of um, looking at the games of those years. Um, and how they've influenced gaming going forward. So it's it's pretty much, I, I forget the tagline off the top of my head now, but it's kind of how gaming's past influenced its future. So kind of looking back at things like, you know, like Shenmue and how that's influenced open world gaming going forward. So lots of articles and things like that. Um, it was teased as a stretch goal for the end of the second book campaign, but we didn't quite get meet the target. So we don't have the funds for it at the moment, but it's still there in the back of our heads and it's something we really want to do. So definitely looking forward to that if and when we can get around to doing it yeah i see i see so then what are, what are the other the other things you have going on what's, um, what's this all about find one and it'll snowball you'll just find all the rest yeah, of them. Just look for one loads of stuff um so there's <laughs> the book which is ongoing at the moment um hopefully launching august 2021 and um, by the time this is out there should be a place to back it if you want to go to dreamcastyears.co.uk any links for backing the book when it happens will be there um that's also where you can find the podcast uh, which is dreamcast year po- the dreamcast years podcast uh, all the episodes are on the website as well but you can find them on whatever podcast app you go on to um and I also uh, do stuff for the Dreamcast Junkyard, which is like the biggest Dreamcast site. Uh, do some of their podcasts, and also the Crossplayers, which is like a group of friends who's like some of my best mates, basically, and we all just play games and chat about them, uh, which is fun. Um, but all that stuff, so you can find me at Oddman. Uh, all this on Twitter, by the way, because I basically just use Twitter pretty much. So it's at Oddman eighty four is my personal account. At Dreamcast Years for anything book slash podcast related about the Dreamcast, uh, and then you can find. Find uh, the cross players at the cross players and at Dreamcast Junkyard is at the DC Junkyard. So lots of things, um, all kind of related to each other in one way or another. But yeah, 
Excellent, excellent. What I'll try and do is make the show notes just not just those links, because right. <laughs> there's quite a lot of stuff, right? True. But we'll 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 definitely link through to all of those. So if you're listening on your podcatcher app of choice, if you're on your phone or whatever, click through to the full show notes because otherwise it would take forever in a day to download the episode if we put all of the show notes in there. And we have a, 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 a I think it's links of interest. Click through there and you'll see all of the many, many different things that uh, Andrew is doing with his. Uh, I don't want to say free time. I feel like that's. I don't know. I don't know where my actual time goes (laughs) because it's all on this stuff. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you ever so much, Andrew, for for being with us and talking about Resident Evil Apocalypse because, yeah, it's been, it's always loads of fun to to have you on the show and always loads of fun to, you know, chat with you and catch up with you. So, thank you ever so much. I realize, like you said, we've talked now for almost twice the length of the Almost, yeah, which is funny. (laughs) But uh, but before I get, well, thank you very much for having me. For starters, I always love chatting to you guys. It's always uh, very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Squidge just gave me a thumbs up and his black background is blurred and his thumb blurred so it looked like he was giving me a rude gesture um <laughs> there we go there we go <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> wasn't intentional I, know, it made yeah. me <laughs> I can imagine that get off get off my podcast <laughs> Excellent. But no, seriously, Andrew, it's always fun uh, chatting with you and, uh, and catching up with you. I, I do try to keep on the uh, the Discord and stuff like that. I always miss that. So for those listening along, there's a couple of Discord groups for all of the many different projects that uh, Andrew is uh, involved in. And I'm in a few of them, but I always miss all of the messages because I never have Discord installed in the right places. Yeah. And I feel very much like a, a boomer at this point where I'm like, too many chat programs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I think the the main one is the crossplay as one. Well everybody chats in there. My uh, Dreamcast years one has become a bit of a, a bit of a uh, like ghost town. But um, yeah, it's all right. You can go there if you want to, but don't expect anybody to chat to you. They'll just ignore you. We're too cool. It's <laughs> a too hipster for 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 the Dreamcast yeah. years podcast. <laughs> Discord, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent well like i said thank you ever so much and uh you've all i hope i hope that you've that the listeners have gleaned some information about resident evil apocalypse let us know what your thoughts on that movie are there's a there's uh as of right now i don't know what the future is going to be but as of right now we've got comments on the pages which i'm thinking of disabling we've got twitter we've got facebook uh look for waffling tales on both of those there's a contact page on the website if you send that in we don't do anything with your information we'll read the comment out and then we'll scrub the information you know we're not trying to be evil and capturing people's email addresses or anything like that which I suppose is the first thing that someone who wanted to be evil and capture people's email addresses would say. I'm going to give it to Siri. But, uh, don't don't give them your information. They'll give it to Siri and put you on a list. It's just, it's not worth it. That's that's, that's how we got Andrew on the list. That's <laughs> We've got him to say disable primary weaponry as well. So. I'm going to go around and say that to all of my, like I've got Google on something and I've got um, Alexa. I'm going to say it to all of them. I'm going to get a put on more Please list. let us know what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let Please us let us know. It would be hilarious <laughs> to find out what actually was actually said. Oh, dear. But yes, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you both for coming along and talking to me uh, about Resident Evil Apocalypse. And we will catch you in another episode. See you all later, folks. Bye. Bye.
Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Degay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.